Aussies love discovering new restaurants, and Open Table is Australia's most visited dining reservation platform, with more than 1 million hungry diners looking for inspiration each month. On average, guest booking on Open Table spend 49% more than walk ins. Open Table's world class table management technology ensures your seats are optimized front of house to seat more diners, saving you time to focus on what you do best. And it doesn't stop at the end of a meal. Open Table's relationship management tools keep you connected with your guests, helping you turn first time diners into regulars. Visit restaurant.opentable.com.au to connect with your local Open Table restaurant expert to learn more. Open Table, empowering restaurants to do what they do best, better. Welcome to another Principal Hospitality Podcast. I'm your host, Sean DeVries. Thanks so much for tuning to another episode. Principal of Hospitality has been developed to tell the stories of professionals within the dynamic world of hospitality. We are straight talking, ethically minded, and a reliable online source of information and inspiration for people in the hospitality industry. Cocktail bartender Ryan Chetnawatna goes by Mr. Lion, which is arguably easy to say. He opened his first bar, White Lion, in London in 2013 as the first cocktail bar in the world with no perishables, no fruit, and even no ice. Its exploration and sustainability with much lower waste and a use of pre-made cocktails and innovative ingredients was a groundbreaking venue. Brian currently operates Lioness, Super Lion, Silver Lion, Seed Library, and Mr. Lion Studio, as well as being a masterclass instructor. He is also going to be in Australia for the highly anticipated world-class cocktail festival returning to Sydney from the 9th to the 18th of September with colourful cocktail experiences and never-before-seen collaborations. The world-class cocktail festival will simultaneously host over 50 of the world's best bartenders, including a collaboration between Ryan and Peter Gilmore at Key. With all that said, it's a pleasure to welcome Ryan to the show today. Now, Ryan, amazing to have you on the podcast. Now, you're one of the world's most awarded bartenders. So I really wanted to know how did you start out in the hospitality industry and what do you think it actually takes to be an awarded bartender? I think most of the people I talk to in in the kind of hospitality world ended up kind of taking a slightly convoluted route to end up in the industry and you know, my background was was very much that. It was something I did as a little bit of a, a passion as and a bit of a sideline before I kind of went, actually, this is the world I want to be part of full time. Um, and I actually started more in the food side before I got into drinks. So I kind of grew up in this kind of environment of, you know, we, we cooked and cleaned and looked after each other. And I loved kind of like like hosting people as even as like a as a kid. It was something that we were very involved in. My mum latterly was a, as a pastry chef and you know, she was really keen on kind of how food brought people together. And I think I took a lot of that mentality. And, you know, when I before I was going on to study, I was like, well, I, I want to learn more about this from a kind of practical perspective. 
So I actually went and trained as a chef and, and spent time in kitchens. There was a, a catering college in, in Birmingham where I grew up. And, you know, in, in my mind, I was going, okay, I use food in this way to, to bring people together and like tailor things to people. I want to learn about, you know, how do you time things out? How do you structure things? How do you get a little bit more of that? Like rather than the kind of practical stuff that you just get from cooking for friends, you know, a little bit more of the, the kind of professional insight. And some of that was amazing, you know, learning the timings of the kitchen, the, the, the kind of need to work as a team, you know, what does it mean to be able to get into the details of, you know, a basis of a source or any of that stuff. You know, I, I love that side, but quickly found that I was like, I don't talk to people, you know, I don't do all the things that I was using food to do. And so I was kind of a little bit alienated by the, the kind of like space of the kitchen. And I was chatting with, with my oldest friend about this. And, you know, I think he rather flippantly was just kind of getting a bit exasperated. But I was like, well, if you want to work with flavor and you want to work with like ingredients, but you want to talk to people, why don't you just go work in a bar? And it was one of those moments where I was like, huh, I hadn't thought about that, but that's exactly kind of like it fits right in my head. Um, so I, you know, I just left school. I, I, I went and chatted to a couple of bars and it was that kind of weird catch 22 of bar situations where it's like, well, you, you can't work in a bar until you've worked in a cocktail bar. But I kind of blagged my way into it and was like, listen, I, I, I'm really interested in this. I've come from a food side, you know, just the, the idea of the interactions of the bar is, is, is what really excites me. And, you know, you've got these amazing products on the back bar. It's exactly the same thing as, as kind of working in the kitchen. And, you know, as soon as I stepped behind the bar and, you know, started as a bar back, but like, you know, then was involved in, you know, the conversations, I just kind of was like a sponge for it, really excited to learn as much as I could. And I ended up just like, you know, completely bitten by that. And it was, it was a really nice thing for me because, you know, as I went on to studies, um, it always became the constant, you know, I was down in London, I was at art college and I was up in Edinburgh studying kind of sciences and, you know, the bar became this, this kind of wonderful parallel for all of the, the studies I was doing um, and all the kind of like bits I was excited by from from kind of like a, a creative point of view, a, a human point of view, the way that like food and culture all link together. It just, you know, it, it just felt the perfect marriage for me. Mm. And so I ended up kind of working at a ton of different venues, like everything I could possibly learn from. You know, it was it, it wasn't to me about kind of just being in cocktails or anything like that. I tried to be in food world, nightclubs, dive bars, the lot. It was kind of, you know, it was just a really exciting space to to kind of be kind of exposed to and so it just kind of really you know it spiraled from there and I think you know we've been really fortunate over the years to to kind of get some great recognition for that but I think you know the the way that's come about has been like I think as a company and and kind of like personally I've always been excited by kind of being as open to experiences as possible where can you learn from who can you learn from and who can you work with you know that's the the, the beauty of bars you know the, the teams you get to work with that they shape you immeasurably. Um, and so when it came to, to kind of like the lion projects and, you know, 10 years on, you know, I think the the reason why we've been able to, to kind of like push and, and, and thankfully be rewarded and, and kind of recognized on some of these things is we've been able to have a team that have looked to kind of like continue to learn and push and be inspired by different things. Um, and I think as the industry's kind of grown, that's been, like a really nice thing you know it, it's been lovely for us to see that kind of recognition you know I, I loved doing kind of competitions and stuff as a, as a young bartender but I think it was also you know as we then grew going okay where can we find different bridges in the industry where are places we can you know work with different kind of growers or, or, or different people that can help us look at our world differently and I think 
that helped things like, you know, we, we've been menu awards kind of getting picked up or, you know, even the design teams that we work with to kind of see that recognized in, in different awards. So it's, it's, it's been a really kind of like lovely journey of, of, of kind of collaboration and kind of trying to continue to, to kind of see where we can work within, you know, an industry as rich as ours. Yeah, of course. I was going to ask, this is probably a bit of a, a selfish comment in a way. I'm a, I'm a former baker, right? So I used to own a couple of bakeries oh, in, nice. my, in my early career. And I'm just curious, did you ever think of getting into pastry chefing like your mum? Because obviously, I think there's a lot of actually similarities between bars and bakeries in a way when you think of fermentation and maturation and all that kind of stuff and patience that you need to have to get a quality product. Did you ever think of that? A hundred percent. And I think as well, there's, you know, now chatting to a, a lot of friends like, you know, Doug, Doug did a lot of work on um, fermentation and actually from a really like making bread with, you know, his own grain. And what did that mean? And like having some of the conversations we've had with him and, you know, thinking about what are the opportunities and the, the, the kind of pillars of, of flavor opportunity. Um, but then also chatting to, you know, Rich Hart over in, in, in Copenhagen at Hart Bakery and just learning about that you know, one of the amazing things I talked to him about was, you know, years of expertise, you know, he's, you know, been world-class baker for, for decades. Um, and then that balance of, you know, what you think you know about something to then letting go and realizing that you don't know anything about it. And, you know, you channel that experience, but then you realize that sometimes you get hemmed in by that. So I think the baking world is incredibly close to, to, to what we do. And it's, you know, there, there, there is a lot of it that is incredibly inspiring. But I think the reason why I, I kind of didn't really steer into that is I'm way, and if I, I, the team would kind of back this up, I'm way more erratic <laughs> and kind of like, um, I think my attention spans a little too short for it, but like the ability, because my sister's an amazing baker. And, you know, when we cook, it's very different approaches and she's meticulous and like, you know, we'll dial into things. And I have that a bit from kind of my scientific background where I'll kind of go, okay, to be able to understand what's happening, we need to to document and make sure it's it's kind of going through in a way that we can reproduce and, and assess. But sometimes when I'm kind of actually in the throes of making things, it's much more touchy feely. And uh, I think, you know, if I, every time I've baked bread, it's, it's kind of like, it's just like a gamble on what's going to come out because I've never been, um, yeah, I've never been able to have that meticulous kind of like methodology to, to be able to do it so i think you know my my mum and my sister and certainly the team would kind of back up that i'd be a horrific baker it wouldn't have been <laughs> something that i could have managed um yeah. but it's something i'm very glad to be kind of close to from kind of like real dear friends and and kind of like watching that world in the industry because you're 100 right there's so many parallels and there's so much that um like there's some interesting crossovers not just in the the obvious ways and it's a really exciting world for that at the moment. I think there's there's really been like that nice balance of historical and kind of forward thinking coming together in the world of baking at the moment. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's a real it's a real humble position that I think both industries are in, which I think is really good to see. I want to talk about your thoughts on sustainability. So obviously you've been talking about that as a as a topic for a long time now, uh, very openly your thoughts on it. So why do you care about sustainability? so deeply and and just and want to talk about it and do you think also your studies in biologies has let you want to um, really talk about those issues i, I mean 100 percent. my my studies have, have played a factor in it and i think you know one of the things that 
when I was trying to bring um, kind of like my my kind of academic life into in, into the bar world, it was it was kind of looking at some of those things and just those bits that seem a little nonsensical. And I, I think, you know, for me, it, it evolved a lot over the years. You know, when I was first working in those things, I was just kind of, honestly, it was probably going, well, there's flavor still left there. And it, it wasn't necessarily thinking about it only from a kind of environmental conscientiousness point of view, but it was kind of going, you know, that there's more, I know that there's more that we can explore with these ingredients than just using them in that kind of single format. But I think a lot of it, certainly was informed by that and understanding the way that like the delicacy of the way that systems interact and and going you know just because our world is about luxury and kind of like you know this excitement of being in like food and drink and there's nothing about that that isn't about balance you know everything that underpins our industry is is about balance that's what it should be and so why are we working in such a kind of like mad way that you know, the, the systems that surround us mean that it, it ends up being wasteful. It's not inherent to the work that we do. Um, so why can we challenge that? And I think that aspect of the professionalism of our of our world was kind of like a big spur of that as well. You know, I remember as a young bartender, it was just kind of about like, you know, getting guests excited, including them into our world and trying to break down some of those kind of like stuffiness of barriers or pretentiousness, cost, whatever it is, speed, that, that kind of stop people kind of like really diving into the world of, of, of cocktails in a, in a very kind of everyday mm. sense. Um, and so once we started to get out of that like rut and going, okay, we can be more kind of honed in as a profession. We can sit, like sit back and analyze things a little bit more and going, well, why are we generating these kind of types of bits of waste? Why are we only using ingredients in this manner? And why are we only using these types of ingredients? Um, so it was, it was kind of like, to me, it was an important thing from a, from a, care and passion for our industry and a professionalism to go we need to be thinking about these things we are creating our own like like blockade around ourselves um we need to to kind of like shatter through that and start thinking about things but we also have a responsibility for it and it is something that you know we all need to be involved in and you know i think i just I, i've always been kind of a fan of when you you hear some of those kind of responses or you, you, rebuttals that kind of go oh, we can't do this, or this this isn't an area we can work in. It was always going, well, well why not? Why why don't we have license to be able to kind of explore those spaces? Like, you know, it is it is something that is part of our world. We we should be having those discussions. Mm -hmm. And so it kind of like spurred me on more to, the, when I first started kind of scratching the surface of it, it kind of encouraged much more of a, a conversation around, okay, what could that look like? Um, and, you know, it, it's evolved tons over those, those years of, of, of what we've been looking at, it's, you know, from those early stages of going, you know, we have a duty to look at this. What does that mean for the hospitality industry? So then going, okay, well, you know, we're, you know, food waste and the role of, um, you know, food within society is, is, is very much highlighted as being, you know, a, a major driver of, 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 of kind of climate change or, or unsustainable practice. You know, what are the things as professionals that we can influence in that? Not only from, um, our own product point of view, but as being that connection to guests, you know, we are the point of education. We are the thing that can help get people excited about a different way of thinking. And also we have tremendous buying power. We are like, a, you know, in the, the UK, food and drink is the biggest manufacturing industry now. Like that is a huge amount that we can start to, to affect. And, you know, how can we then encourage better action from, 
you know, a governmental and a, a kind of like more policy um, kind of area perspective. So, I mean, I think it's it, it's been kind of like wild to see the journey of that. And I think, you know, the, the important thing is we as an industry should never like it, it's an evolving topic. We should never have kind of fixated on one bit. Um, and it's great to see some of the things that became mainstream. And that was some of the stuff that we were first involved in, things like waste and, you know, alternative ingredients and circularity of, of some of that stuff. And, you know, it was wonderful for looking at some of the support that different parts of the industry started to show each other and all of those connections and bridges that came from that. But I think now we're at a stage where we kind of, we, we need to push it a little bit more and we need to, to, mm. to kind of understand the role that we play in a kind of much larger system. You know, it's great to keep all those hygiene factors in place. And of course they're important to still maintain, but for us to start to become more balanced, then not only is that something that is totally feasible to do, it is absolutely within the world of all of the luxury that we can continue to want to be able to enjoy and the amazing things that products and like people that are included in that, but we have a duty to do it as well. Like there, there is something that, you know, as, like people who are responsible for our industry, for people who, you know, uh, should be the shepherds of it. We should be the ones mm. that are steering it to a, a better balance. So, you know, it's it's something that I'm really glad to see is just becoming much more of a a, a wide conversation and the people involved in, in the industry. And that's such a wide gamut of people. All of those people are being kind of considered as part of it rather than just that kind of final bit of the chain where it's like, okay, what are we putting in the bin? So, um, so it's a bit of a long-winded answer around it, but it's, 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 to me, it's, it's the most exciting part of it. You know, it's a, I've always talked about what sustainability presents as a, a creative opportunity for, for like teams and, and, and an industry that's all about creativity. But now it's almost like it, it, it's something that we can like retain all that creativity, have all of that amazing inventiveness going on, but also going, yeah, we're not just putting liquids in glasses. We're, we're part of society. We're a crucial part of cultures. How can we then play a role in in both the education part and the influence part of making this this much more balanced? Do you think the world is sort of catching up to where you were almost a decade ago with White Lion? I think about having a bar that had no perishables, no fruit, no ice, everything sort of um, pre-made cocktails beforehand, and and really thinking about sustainability and waste pre-production rather than, as you just said, then like post-production, what are we going to do when, when we're finished of it? Do you, do you think everyone's sort of catching up to your theory? That must be quite humbling. I mean, it's, I, I don't think we're the, we were the only ones kind of pushing that conversation, but I think it was helped because White Lion was quite radical and, you know, it was such mm. a key pillar of that bar. It was able to introduce that conversation to, to a lot of people. Um, and, you know, I feel very, very fortunate in that. And, you know, some of the pickup on, media that we got there was a big article in the guardian you know the new york times called it like the most important bar of the last decade to to then kind of start influencing these like conversations for the trade as a whole and it was brilliant to see the pickup and you know that was kind of part of the reason why we we kind of closed it involved it into cub because you know those parts of the conversation almost started to become quite normal you know mm -hmm. the the idea of pre-production as you say what is the waste that you can generate what are the places that you can trim things down look for alternative ingredients that mean that you're not generating the the, the same stuff that ends up in in the bin as a traditional setup and then I, it was really great to see kind of the hybrid what white line was an extreme but you mm -hmm. saw like the hybrid versions of that in 
like five-star hotels, like neighborhood bars, like people adopting some of those, those principles and going, cool, this solves a problem for our waste systems in, in these space. But I think the, you know, the logical evolution for us was going, well, we, we didn't really have a bin, but at the same time, we didn't really know what was happening upstream. And again, it's been really nice to see that the conversations we've had about that, be it through, you know, Cub, Dan Lion, White Lion, and now Lioness, Super and, and, and Silver is, and, and Seed Library is, is, is looking at like the whole, the, the bigger picture of that. You know, what, what is the impact you can have at every stage? And, you know, I think it's, it's the human side, it's the material side, it's the like larger environmental side. But again, it's to me, the, the key piece of the puzzle is the education aspect. You know, I think there was, there was some bits with White Line that people adopted because they were like, oh, cool, this is a, a shelf-stable version of something, or this is a way of, of, of not needing to, to use that ingredient that might potentially be wasteful to going, okay, what is the thinking we can apply instead of just going, okay, how do we make lemon juice without lemons? It's kind of going, what is the way that we can change our thinking around our formulae of cocktails we use, the ingredients, the places we source it from, you know, the people that we talk to, how do we include people that have a different knowledge set about this stuff into our world? And how do we open up all these conversations? So, you know, I, I'm, I'm really proud of, of, of what White Lion did as, as part of a suite of, 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 you know, different discussions that were going on to, to kind of catapult those things into the mainstream. It was, you know, it was something that, again, I, I, I fix it all on education. And I think it helps to have a bar that was as weird as that be like a, like it just, it helps catapult it into kind of like a wider range of conversations. Um, so it's, yeah, it, it's really, it's really exciting to see, you know, from, you know, it's, it's going to be a decade, a decade ago, like next year for White Lion. And, you know, how much has changed through that is, is, is really wonderful to see, but I'm still glad that, no, I, I, it's still a bar I, I, I love dearly. Um, and, you know, I loved all the things that you're doing that. So it's, it's still nice to kind of see, you know, those, those kind of ripples of that bar kind of carry through to the day as well. Is uh, obviously, you know, you've got, you've got bars all over the world, right? Are, are you, is, is the reason for that, if I sort of look outwardly, because you really want people to have a conversation about sustainability and about how things can be done differently. And the reason why you're doing it in different parts of the world, you want different conversations and different people in the world, because you sort of have this parallel between this opulent, this opulent bar setting, right? And this amazing beverage, which you're doing in such a sustainably focused way. Is it, is it this kind of confusion that you want to actually start the conversation for people? Well, I think the, wherever we've done things in, in different markets, it's always about that, that kind of sense of locality and, you know, an underlying principle we try and always like have throughout the company is, you know, we, it's the name of the books, but like the, the, the principle of the company is good things. How do we do good as much as possible? Um, and like some can have more of a focus on it than others is there's always going to be these different kind of structures around it. But I think, you know, it's always about trying to understand that local opportunity and influence. And, you know, whenever we did these talks, it was going, you know, we will give as much framework and examples as, as possible. But these are these are things to kick off your own exploration of it, because whatever problems you face are going to be different in your your space, you know like be it from, from water, from human side, from materials to, to what structure there is around you to, to bring in ingredients or to, to compost mm. ingredients, whatever it is, 
you know, there always is going to be that local kind of differentiation. So, you know, we've used all of the bars, all of the venues have always been about kicking off different discussions. And even though that might be more of a kind of creative sphere in one space or more of a ingredient sphere in another, all of them have this underpinning of, of what does that mean from a, as, an, in as loose a way to start describe it, sustainability aspect to it. Because I think the, you know, and that's one of the challenges I put up with that kind of like Instagram post was it's not, it, it, it's kind of almost both too wide and too narrow a word. And, you know, what we need to then do is kind of understand what are the opportunities, again, about around education and influence and doing good uh, at each of those stages. Do you think there's a, a worry that there could be greenwashing like being used in the industry? And I think about especially about things like sustainability and packaging and all that kind of stuff at the moment that is that is super confusing here in Australia when we talk about things like home compostable, commercially compostable, recyclable, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, are you concerned that we aren't, we aren't going narrow enough still? I, I do think it's a concern, but I almost have like a, a tough feeling about this because I think anything that helps promote the conversation is useful. And I think what we need to do is make sure that there isn't confusion. And that's where that education part is so key. The more that people can give and more inspiration and, and more understanding around every kind of like opportunity, they can mm. make better informed decisions. And I think what we need to be able to do is, yeah, we, we do need to remove some of that jargon because it's, it's not helping anyone. Um, and we do need to be able to find ways of like making, well, holding ourselves accountable a bit, a bit around it. Yes, of course, it's great if there's, you know, a, a campaign or a competition to do things and it's it's talking about it from a sustainable point of view and that's great when they're talking about like reusing ingredients or using things from a local byproduct and stuff like that it's part of the conversation but we also need to to realize that we need to educate and push that mm. further as well like it can't just be on that single facet because then we're almost creating new problems and we're ignoring mm. a whole load of other ones so it's I, i'm loath to say that it's like you know, yes, there is for sure elements of greenwashing and we need to, to make sure that we're calling things out or not trying to call people out, but also just make sure that we're pulling them back into like mm. the, the, the kind of like bigger conversation. Um, but we're, we're just trying to look at it from as, as wide a range as possible. Um, so it's all about education and, and kind of making sure that there's the kind of balanced conversation around these different topics. Now, your bar in London, Lioness, was awarded world's best bar and best international hotel bar at the Cocktail Spirit Award, amongst many other awards, all huge accomplishments. So with Lioness, uh, you've hoped to create a cocktail bar that goes beyond the simple focus of what's in the glass, right? And I've also watched a couple of videos and one about the seven ingredients of the Lioness cocktails at the base. How did you actually develop those flavors for Lioness? Uh, I mean, it's it, it kind of really like carried on a lot of the legacy of creative work that we've been doing at, at Dandelion. You know, one of the things that we wanted, you know, when we were changing Dandelion into Lioness, it wasn't about going, cool, we'll get rid of everything to do with that bar and move it into a new product. It was kind of going, how can we hone in on some of the things about that bar that we love the most? And one of them was the creative process. So, you know, for, you know, it was a big team at Dandelion, but we're now on... 22 or something at, at Lioness. Um, you know, it's all about everybody working in kind of like unison on it. And the way that we've always worked is is around 
you know, what we look for something that feels like a common ground for people. What's a common connection? It's not just about going, this is my nostalgia. These are things that I know, and I'm hoping they're going to resonate with you. We look at things that have something that can kind of like really feel quite universal to people. And that's why we took this kind of cookbook approach, because it was about, you know, what are the emotions or the, the kind of feelings that you get around like certain ingredients or foods or food types that can act as this kind of commonality. And, you know, with the last menu, we looked at this, you know, we gave it this title, this British cookbook, and it wasn't about kind of British flavors or anything like that. It was kind of looking at, you know, the principle that we used was, you know, particularly in the world at the moment where the, there is a lot of like fake division going on, we wanted to kind of prove the principle that there's actually a lot more that kind of like kind of unites us and divides us. And so we, we looked at some of these things that kind of seemingly are foreign to people, like, you know, different flavors. What is the point of repulsion? What are the things that people go, oh, I'm, I'm not sure about that. But then also frame it through something that is abundant in Britain and, and helps people ground it and understand it. And suddenly it's, you know, this is the beauty of food. It is such an amazing connection. And when you've got big, rich, complex topics like division and diversity and, and foreignness, to be able to use food as a way of going, look, it's it's not as weird and mad as you think. It's actually like, you know, it can be, you know, very easy to connect through. And, you know, I, we, we ended up like doing some pretty mad ingredients that, you know, we have a, a blood curacao on at the menu. And, you know, it's, it's something that works both from a, a kind of story and a flavor perspective. We looked at, you know, the universality of, of, of blood and there is, a lot of squeamishness around that in in a lot of particularly Western cultures, um, but then it's used as like not only a way of, of of kind of like using the whole animal, but also as a way of of kind of really classically adding texture or richness or weight or minerality to dishes that you know have become like very like well well renowned and actually very weirdly accessible to people. So we, we kind of went, well, the equivalent of that in the bar world is something like a curacao. You know, it is something that adds like a bridging note. It is body. It can add minerality. It can have richness. Um, and it's become this kind of like central pillar to a lot of classic cocktails. So taking something as, as abundant as, as kind of pig's blood, you know, working with kind of great suppliers to be able to get something and then have a meaningful application of that in, in an ingredient. So it's mm -hmm. it's not there to be like, you've got a load of blood in your drink and look how weird that is. Um, it's, it's really purposeful. And, you know, it's amazing to see the kind of like guest reaction to that where they're going, okay, great. I trust you. Um, you know, you, you've talked through this, you've, you clearly used it purposefully and then being able to either give them a taste of it or have it kind of like represented in the cocktails on the menu to help people just, you know, if they want to just get a great drink, they'll get the drink. But then there's like this amazing story and this just like, it helps them step out their comfort zone and understand a, a slightly different kind of perspective or a different world of flavor than what they potentially might have, have come across otherwise. All right, Ryan. So you're coming to Sydney, obviously, uh, in September from the 14th to the 16th, and you're doing a collaboration with Peter Gilmore at Key. Like, what can people expect if they're going to go to that event? I mean, it's 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 really exciting for me to, to be across, obviously, kind of Key and, and, and Peter's work not only in Australia, but kind of globally is, is, is super renowned. And, you know, as a celebration of, you know, ingredients, a center place, um, but also the kind of like, you know, real focus on 
some of those forgotten or kind of like amazing Australian ingredients. Um, that that's super exciting for me, and it's something that I've always, you know, really, I, I've loved collaboration. It's always been something that's kind of been key to to the way that we work. So being able to collaborate with somebody like Peter and, and the restaurant is is a real opportunity, not only to to bring across some of the stuff that we've been excited to work on over the years, but you know, bring in kind of like that influence of of all of those ingredients, that expertise, that you know, sense of place to hopefully bring something together that's going to feel really exciting for guests. You know, you know, Australia's always been a massive inspiration to me from a from an ingredient perspective. Anyway, everything just tastes amazing when you're across. Um, but being able to to kind of like collaborate and you know, I, I've always found kind of working alongside food and and the pairings a, a, a an amazing challenge because. To me, it's not just about, you know, the marriage of flavors and how do you tee up something that tastes, it's almost like making a mega cocktail where you've got the dish and the drink together to become greater than some of its parts. But it's about the the sense of hospitality. What can we bring as an experience? And I think, you know, you've got people coming all over the, from all over the world for, for the world-class festival. And, you know, the, you've got an amazing audience in, in Sydney that has got a great kind of uh, understanding and excitement around food and drink. So hopefully to be able to bring a bit of, you know, our perspective from Lioness, we're going to bring a lot of that kind of ingredient driven kind of like perspective into the mix, but hopefully something that just feels a great experience. You know, it is about timing it out and and having something that's a journey through food and drink, um, not just simply kind of going, okay, we're putting this together and, you know, we've you've got this amazing Johnny Walker Blue Cartel that's going to sit alongside this dish. It's kind of going, well, how do we want to map out an evening for those guests that are going to be coming in? And those food and drink touches are a kind of part of that whole collaborative kind of journey. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm really excited for for those three nights that we have to to hopefully bring something to to life that people haven't seen before. Absolutely. Well, that's all going to be linked up in the show notes of this podcast so that people can go. Obviously, we're releasing this the week before, so if you can still get tickets, please do. Uh, Ryan, I know everyone's super excited to have you here in Australia, my friends. So I wish you safe travels and uh, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much. I can't wait to be back across in Australia. It's been far too long. <laughs> thanks for tuning in to another episode of Principle of Hospitality. I hope you really enjoyed that episode. Please comment, like, and share this podcast with your friends in the industry. We're making this content with the industry in mind, so we'd really appreciate you sharing along with those that you know, especially an episode like this where we're so proud to have Ryan on the podcast. And if you don't know us at Poe, Sash, my co-founder from Principal Design, has one of the best design agencies in Australia. So if you're looking for anything around strategy, branding, digital design, wayfinding, and graphic design, you can find them at principaldesign.com.au. And myself at Open Pantry Consulting and 42 Days for anything to do with systems and processes and also people to make your business run even more smoothly. Thanks again for tuning into this special episode. And until next time, stay safe, everyone. Aussies love discovering new restaurants and OpenTable is Australia's most visited dining reservation platform with more than 1 million hungry diners looking for inspiration each month. On average, guests booking on OpenTable spend 49% more than walk-ins. OpenTable's world-class table management technology ensures your seats are optimized front of house to seat more diners, saving you time to focus on what you do best. And it doesn't stop at the end of a meal. 
OpenTable's relationship management tools keep you connected with your guests, helping you turn first-time diners into regulars. Visit restaurant.opentable.com.au to connect with your local OpenTable restaurant expert to learn more. OpenTable, empowering restaurants to do what they do best.